Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Words to Live By series, which is taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's take our Bibles today and let's go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter 5, and if you've been with us on Sunday mornings, we're going through this Sermon on the Mount series, which I'll talk about in just a moment, but you might be thinking, Pastor, I thought we were done with Matthew chapter number 5, and I did too, honestly, Um, but uh, we're going to be here one more week and looking into this and something that God really put on my heart right after the service last week that I think will be a help and a blessing to us, but before we uh, get into the, uh, let me fix this. Something's going on here. There we go. Maybe not. I need some staff person to come up here who knows this stuff. Robert, fix this. Please. Robert is the fix it man. Everybody give Robert a hand. <clears throat> While he's fixing that, uh, let me ask you real quick Have you ever known somebody? that they would probably be defined, I mean, I mean, you might use the word lazy, uh, but they would define themselves as, you know, I just do enough to get by. I just do enough to get by. We've all been around people like that. We've all been around people who, uh, going through life, they kind of just do the, the bare minimum. Maybe you were that way in school. Maybe you were like me that uh, unfortunately, times in my life, I can remember in high school and even on into college that my approach to the class, did you get it? Man, you're awesome. <clears throat> my approach to the class, no, you didn't. Look, it all just went out. Man, Rob, I remember in high school and college that my approach to the class, it would be, what can I do to get a passing grade? Like, I don't care if it's a D. I don't care if it's a D minus. I just want to pass this class. I remember specifically one class in high school that my mentality was such. It wasn't that way when I got into the class, but it became that way as the few weeks of that class went by. It was Spanish, 10th grade year. Now, in high school, the high school I went to, and I don't know if it's this way now, but uh, you needed to take a foreign language, and that needed to be a class you had to have to graduate. And, and uh, so I, I thought, you know what? A lot of people speak Spanish. I'm going to learn Spanish. I think it'll be a good, a good second language. And I, I really had good reasons for being in this Spanish class. But I went into the Spanish class, and nothing against the teacher. But my Spanish teacher was a German lady who could barely speak English. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm not saying anything derogatory about her nationality or anything like that, but she, she could barely speak English. German is what she would cuss at you in. <clears throat> it's what she would talk with people, and yet she was the Spanish teacher. And she, I mean, probably a brilliant person. It just didn't come across in 10th grade Spanish. Because she would get up and she'd begin teaching and, and uh, you know, she would say, you know, uh, hola, como esta, you know, or something like that. And it wouldn't come out like hola, como esta. It came out differently. And the class would go, I mean, everybody in the class, 
What'd she say? And she'd repeat it again. And she'd do it next, next time as a little more adamantly. Like, you should be getting this. She'd say, hola, como esta? And we'd be like, what'd you just say? And to the point where she, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating, she would kick people out of class regularly because she thought they were being disrespectful because they couldn't understand her. Needless to say, about two weeks in, my thought was, I just need to pass this class. I'm not going to learn Spanish. I'm, I may learn some language that's, you know, Spanish and German it's, uh, and English. It, it may all intermix, but I just need to pass this class. And I remember, honestly, most of the kids in that class, that was almost everybody. And part of the reason was she didn't even want to teach it. There was times when she would say, the only reason I'm in this class, in her deep German accent, she'd say, the only reason I'm in this class is because no one wanted to teach you, or something like that. Well, as a student, then your mind becomes, well, the only reason I'm in this class is to pass. I'm not going to be taught. I don't want it. Unfortunately, that was my attitude that year, and needless to say, I don't know much Spanish. Just ask anybody who speaks Spanish to me, because I say, no habla espanol. I say, Iglesia Bautista de Moses Lake, El Pastor. That's it. And then I know how to order at most Mexican restaurants. So I did not learn Spanish well. Why? I had the attitude of, I just want to get out of this. I just want to do the bare minimum. We all know people like that, whether it's at work or at school or in the home. I mean, there's, there's some people that their marriage is like that, that it's, I just want to do the, the bare minimum. We've all been there. We all know people who perhaps even are there, just wanting to get by, people who just want to coast by. Parents, they have that with their, with their kids and their spouses who bring that approach into their marriage. And there's workers who bring that into their jobs. I mean, there's renters who bring it into their residence. I'm just going to do the bare minimum. And there's teachers, officers, lawyers, first responders. I mean, you go to any line of work and any class of life and any stage of life, and you and I will find people that this, this attitude of just coasting by is evident in their life. And while it's evident in the workplace and family and in school, I want to bring a thought this morning that this is something that should not be evident in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, it is. There's a lot of Christians who go through their Christian life just getting by on the bare minimum. They just, they, they, they know they're saved, but it's kind of like, I know I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, and that's enough for me. And they don't ever live out God's plan for their life. We've all been there. I've been there where I'm not living out what God has for my life. And I hate to say it, but I was so, uh, so naive at times in thinking I've got this. I can handle this. And God was saying, Dennis, I have so much more for you. Quit doing the bare minimum. Today, we're going to learn that a child of God, man, when we are following God with the heart, we're going to be a Christian who goes above and beyond. I'm not going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to go above and beyond. As we come to Matthew chapter number five, we're continuing the series of the Sermon on the Mount. 
Of course, these words were spoken by Jesus specifically to his disciples or his followers right there to the... um, uh, let's see, the northwest area, the Sea of Galilee, is where the Sermon on the Mount would be, almost on the west side, really. And Jesus would be speaking to these followers. When we think of his followers, we think specifically of just his 12 apostles. But we need to know that there were hundreds of people by this time that Jesus would have been speaking into their life and they would have been considered a follower of Jesus. So if you were a passerby or if you lived in a town near here, Tiberias, or if you lived uh, maybe in Capernaum or something like that, and you begin to hear that Jesus is teaching, there's hundreds of people gathering, you're not a follower of Jesus. And yet you would probably think, you know, I want to go listen. And so we discover by the end of Matthew chapter number seven, that there is a multitude that is standing there listening to Jesus Christ give this message, this sermon on the mount, these words that he preached that we read in Matthew five, six, and seven. And we've discovered that Jesus said, basically, I want you and I want to encourage you to build your life on my words. Matthew 7, he said at the end of it, if you build your life on my word, I'll liken you unto a wise man who's built his house upon a solid foundation and you will find security and stability and peace in your life. It doesn't mean everything will be hunky-dory. It just means that you will find security, stability, and peace in your life if you build upon the words of Christ. However, we've discovered that the contrary is also true. That if I fail to build my life upon the words of Christ, Jesus said, I will liken you unto a foolish man who built his house, his life, upon the sand. The storms are going to come and the wind are going to blow and the waves are going to beat against that house and great will be the fall of it. Why? Because you weren't built upon my words. And so we're going into this series saying, God, help us because culture is screaming out for us because Uh, different things are screaming out for our attention, whether it be uh, media or hobbies or or, uh, our jobs or our family, screaming for our attention, saying, live by my words, follow my way. And we've got to be able to suppress all of those voices speaking into our life and say, God, I want you to be the one that guides my life. I want your words to be what I live by. And so we've learned a number of things. I won't go through all of them this morning, but I will tell you last week's lesson. Last week's lesson, we learned a very simple truth, and that's this, that God is interested in our heart. God is interested in our heart. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 17 all the way to verse number 48. Jesus, in speaking, he taught them, those listening, two lessons. The first lesson is, you are inadequate, but I am sufficient. He said, hey, you look to the law to find righteousness and justification, but you need to know, and I need to know, and this is Jesus speaking, saying, hey, you need to know that you can never fulfill the law. You can never be good enough to measure up to my perfection. But then he teaches them, you don't need to be good enough because I am. And he fulfilled the law. Remember what he said? I came not to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. I came to complete it. You are inadequate, but I'm sufficient. The second lesson he taught them was this. Your tradition is flawed because I want your heart. You see, tradition, religious tradition says, I can be good enough to earn acceptance from God. Jesus stood on this day and he said, you've heard it said this way, but I say unto you, give me your heart. Hey, you've heard it said, don't don't kill somebody outwardly. I say, don't even hate somebody. 
You've heard it said, don't, lo- don't uh, uh, commit adultery. I say, keep your heart pure. Don't even lust after somebody. You've heard it said that you should only make commitments you plan to keep. I say, you need to, you need to make sure that your heart keeps commitments it's gonna make no matter, no matter what takes place in your life. You let your, your yay be yay and your nay, nay. Jesus is interested in our heart. We live in a world that says that Jesus is interested in our actions. We need to understand the truth this morning. Our actions matter. But remember this statement. It stuck with me for years. My behavior, my behavior should always flow from my belief. What does that mean? My action should always come from a heart that's seeking him. Don't ever go through religious duty. Don't ever do that. Why? Because it gets annoying. Checklist Christianity is what a lot of believers live. And here's Jesus on this day saying, I'm not interested in checklist Christianity. I'm interested in you following after me with your heart. This morning, what I'd like to bring out is this truth, that if you and I are following, following him with our heart, if a Christian is doing that, they will become an above and beyond Christian. We're gonna learn to go the extra mile going to learn to give the extra dime, going to learn to speak the extra encouraging word. There's so much truth before us today, and I'm excited to get into it. Let's stand, if we would. Matthew chapter 5, just give you a moment to stretch your legs before I preach for an hour and a half. I'm kidding, kind of. Matthew chapter number five, and we're going to read verse 38 down through verse number 44. And you'll notice again the words that Jesus said when he said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. Notice what he says, Matthew 5, 38. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But... I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. We'll stop there right now, but as Jesus comes on the scene again, remember he's been speaking about the heart and he says, you've heard one thing, I'm going to give you another. And the truth again that I want us to look at this morning is that when Jesus Christ has our heart we will become an above and a beyond follower of him. And can I tell you that when you become an above and beyond follower of him, you experience the plan and the purpose that God has in your life each and every day. There's some great truths for us. And so let's pray and we'll get into the word of God. God, we again thank you for your word. We pray that you'd help us right now. Lord, as we take the next few minutes and just unpack uh, your truths here, we pray that you'd speak to us. We pray that you'd help us, that you'd encourage us. And Lord, that you would um, just work in our lives as you desire. I pray, God, that if there's someone here that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust in you. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated.
As we come to this passage this morning, I want us to see what an above and beyond follower, what is an above and beyond Christian, what do they do? What does that mean? And first of all, I want us to see today that an above and beyond follower of Jesus is going to allow mistreatment without retaliation. Someone who's above and beyond follower is going to allow mistreatment without retaliation. Notice what Jesus said, the verses we started with just a moment ago, where Jesus said, hey, you have heard that it hath been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, basically, do unto me, I do unto you. And uh, he's actually quoting from the book of Leviticus, we'll see in just a moment. But then he says, but I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak, your, your shirt, your garment also. When Jesus says, you've heard that it hath been said, he is about to quote from the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 24, verses 19 and 20. Here's what was taught in some places in the law. If a man cause a blemish in his neighbor as he hath done, so shall it be done to him. Breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he hath caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. I said this last week, but we need to understand it for today as well, that the law in the Old Testament, the first five books is what most of, uh, of the people in Jesus's day, the Jewish followers, it's what they would refer to or know, the Torah, those first five books. And those first five books, they would look to and say, this is why and how we govern our life. But I want to present something to you today, and that's this thought, that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Jewish believers then and many believer, Jewish believers now, they miss the simplicity of the gospel. And you and I have missed it as well. Because oftentimes people look to the law and say the law was given. If we keep the law, we will be good enough. But I want to show us and understand this morning that the law was given to help man know you can never be good enough. You and I can never attain access to God by our actions. And we need to understand that and remember that because society and culture and um, famous religion teach that, that you can be good enough. And the truth is, you and I can't. We can never attain access to God because of our actions. So this law that was given in Leviticus chapter 24 was given for them to go, God, we can't do that. This is a hard thing to keep. We can't, well, how can we do these things? And so Jesus comes and he says, hey, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But then he says, but I say unto you, if someone smites you on one cheek, offer them the other cheek. If someone sues you and takes your coat, give to them your cloak, your shirt as well. If you and I look at this, we need to again know that their mindset was, I can fulfill the law. I can do it. Those of you that know the Bible know the story of the rich young ruler. Here's what took place in his life. Notice what he said, Matthew 19, 16 through 20. Behold, one came and said unto him, one, this rich young ruler to Jesus, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he, Jesus, said unto him, the rich young ruler, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He, the rich young ruler, saith unto him, Jesus, uh, which, which ones? Jesus said, oh, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Notice the arrogance of the rich young ruler. And the young man said unto him, all these 
have I kept from my youth up? What lack I yet? That was the arrogance of the religious people back then. It was, <laughs> check, next. I've done that, check. I, I, oh, everything you just told me, Jesus, I'm perfect in it. It's pretty, pretty big arrogance, isn't it? And yet Jesus comes on this scene and he's saying, I'm not interested in your actions. I'm interested in your heart. And here he says that when he has our heart, we move from seeking revenge to the area of allowing mistreatment without retaliation. And here's the thought that when Christ, become, when Christ has our heart, we become an above and beyond follower, allowing for mistreatment to take place in our life and giving up our right to retaliate. You know what this is doing? This is taking on the mind of Christ. When someone does you wrong and you don't get even, it's taking on the mind of Christ given to us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. For even hereunto were ye called because Christ also... He hath suffered for us, leaving us an example. Well, what was the example? It's an example that you and I should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, Jesus did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, when he was mistreated, when he was persecuted, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Now, as I've said many times before, this does not mean that uh, we let people take advantage of us in an immoral or illegal way. Instead, it's speaking of the day in and day out dealings with people that when I am mistreated, I offer grace and not retaliation. Paul would say it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 7, thou therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because you go to, the, you go to law one with another. Why do not excuse me, why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? I want you to understand that for a believer, when, I, when Jesus has my heart, I'm going to realize that there are gonna be times when people try to uh, take advantage of me or when people try to mistreat me. And you know what Jesus said? Hey, you're going to allow that to happen without retaliation. Back in our verse, you can read the phrase, Jesus says, I say unto you, Resist not evil. Jesus is saying here, he's saying, hey, don't fight against mistreatment. When wrong is done to you, resist not that evil. Don't fight back against it. I want you to understand, and, and we know this today, and, and I want myself to understand this, that our tendency is to retaliate. Our tendency is eye for eye, tooth for tooth. You do me wrong, I do you wrong. We're even, we move on. But a Christian who has given God their heart should have the mindset of, I will not retaliate. I am willing to suffer loss rather than you suffering loss. I am willing to take that suit and you take my coat and give you my shirt. I am willing to throw myself under the bus, so to speak, than toss somebody else under there. But how often are we willing to toss someone else under there and save ourselves? Think about the workplace. How often are you the one to say, hey, it was my fault, instead of, wasn't me, man, look at Joe, Pfft. it was him, it was that coworker, it was their fault. Now again, uh, it does not mean we let people take advantage of us, it's just having a mindset that 
I am willing to go without so that someone else can have. I am willing to not retaliate when mistreatment takes place. This is refusing to, I mean, think about this in simple terms. This is refusing to cut the guy off that just cut you off in traffic. This is refusing to say, it's saying that uh, I'm going to say no to that temptation to get back at the worker or that friend who, that coworker or that friend who spoke evil or spoke ill of me. I'm not gonna retaliate by speaking ill or evil of them. It's, this is deciding that no action will be taken against that family member or that friend who was rude to me earlier today. You see, bringing this down to a, uh, just a day in and a day out level, every day you and I face mistreatment from people and an above and beyond Christian is going to say, I am willing to suffer loss rather than another person's suffering. I am willing to be mistreated without retaliation. Notice number two, an above and beyond Christian, above and beyond follower of Jesus Christ will go the second mile. Will go the second mile. Notice verse number 41 where Jesus said this, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Whosoever will compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. If he compels you to go one, go two. Again, I briefly, we, we briefly touched these verses last week, but I want us to know the scenario that as Christ is speaking, he's speaking to mostly Jewish people, and while there might have been some Gentiles around that would be listening, the majority of the people listening on this day would be Jewish listeners, and they would all know this law, that under decree of the Roman Empire, a Roman soldier was allowed to request for a Jewish-born citizen to carry their pack their pack, often nearly 100 pounds, they, were, they could request for them to carry that pack one mile or 1,000 Roman steps. 1,000 steps that Jewish person would have to carry that pack. And if the Jew refused to do so, they would be severely punished even to the point of death. That Roman soldier, if he deemed them being rebellious against the quote-unquote Roman Empire, If he deemed them being rebellious by saying no, he could kill them right there and be justified in doing it. You think about this, I I think that if I'm a Jew, to carry that Roman pack would be very humiliating, wouldn't it? It almost is degrading to your nationality and degrading to uh, your country. It's almost admitting that defeat. One man said it this way, to be asked to carry the pack for a soldier was demeaning. It was forced hard labor for no other reason than your heritage and ethnicity. They knew their status was above you and their demands reinforced the notion that the Jews were a conquered people. And so for a Jewish person to be asked to carry that pack, it meant I am walking humbly right now, humiliation completely. And so a Jew, no doubt, as a Jew, no doubt you would want to just carry that pack one mile. I would be counting those steps, wouldn't you? And I'd be going, all right, fine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And I'd do whatever I could to get out from that. But here comes Jesus, and he says, hey, if you're a follower of me and I have your heart, you're not going to stop at one mile. You're going to carry it two miles. I don't know about you, but I find that to be a hard one. I find that to take that when you're mistreated, you won't won't retaliate. Jesus takes it a step further, (laughs) 
hey, when you're mistreated, not only are you not gonna retaliate, but you're gonna return it with kindness. Now, in the mindset of a Jew, we could honestly say that would be very hard. But I think in your mindset and mine, that would be very hard right now. Jesus, he's encouraging them to just, don't just do what's expected. Go beyond. Be willing to go further than asked or required. What Christ is suggesting with this is what I've titled an unheard of humility. Because Jesus is saying the follower of me who is following me with his heart, he's willing to humble himself and be of no reputation. Jesus here, he's saying, I want to encourage you, be lower and go further. Humble yourself and serve even when it's hard. We're going to learn these verses tonight in our study in Philippians, Next Level Christianity. But Philippians 2, 8, this verse is given. About Jesus being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know what Jesus was? He was a second mile savior. You see, Jesus didn't just come and live a perfect life. He humbled himself and gave up his throne and gave up uh, his, his time in heaven to come to this earth and live amongst his own creation to die for his creation. That's a second mile. He didn't just create us. He said, I'm going to create you. We chose sin. And then Jesus said, now I'm going to die for you. I'm going to die in your place. And if you and I were the only person around, Jesus still would have had to die. Why? Because of our sin. Our sin separates us from God. There is a great, uh, great uh, separation between us and God because of our sin. And yet that's the very reason that Jesus Christ came. He came to go the second mile, to die upon a cross, to give his life, to die in your place and my place. I don't know about you, but Jesus exemplified a humble mind. And here's him speaking to these believers on this day, these Jewish believers, and he says to them, hey, if a Roman soldier asks you to go one mile, humble yourself, go lower, and go further. Carry it too. Carry it too. You know what this world needs? This world needs second mile Christians. This world needs some believers who will humble their hearts, suppress their own desires and their own motives and go further and do more than what is asked. I mean, it's asked for you to be, it's asked or expected to be, for you to be, um, to clock in and to clock out at work when you're supposed to. But an above and beyond Christian is gonna utilize their time on the clock for the purpose they're supposed to. It's asked or expected that you and I wouldn't speak harsh words to people around us, uh, not just zip our lip and not just not be mean. It's asked for us to, you know, just make sure you don't speak rude words. But an above and beyond Christian, they're going to look for ways to speak for encouraging words. They're going to go above and beyond. It's asked or expected that we would give our tithe to the Lord. But above and beyond Christian is going to see the need for missions. I'm going to say it, and we'll talk about it at the next point, but next week is our missions emphasis, and I pray that some Christians in our church would say, I'm going to go above and beyond. Why? Because I, uh, second, uh, a, uh, when God has my heart as a follower of him, I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to make sure that I'm that second-mile Christian. I see today that a second-mile Christian is, allows for mistreatment with, without retaliation. A second mile, or excuse me, an above and beyond Christian goes the second mile, but here's the third thought. An above and beyond Christian will give freely. 
and above and beyond Christian will give freely. Notice verse number 42. Jesus says, give to him that asketh thee and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. Really, this thought needs no explanation. I mean, this verse is very self-explanatory. Jesus simply saying, hey, a follower of me, when I have your heart, a follower of Jesus Christ lives with an open hand. This is something that was not only hard for the Jew, but would be hard for anybody. I mean, most people are not naturally living with an open hand. Most people, we look out for ourselves and ourselves alone. And here's Jesus coming on the scene saying, I'm interested in your heart. And when I have your heart, you're going to live with an open hand. And here's the truth today that when God has my heart, he has all of me. When God has my heart, he has my vehicle. He has my house. He has my, he has my wallet, my checkbook. He has my time. He has everything about me. And one of the outstanding qualities of followers of Jesus Christ is supposed to be our willingness to give. And this is what Jesus is speaking of, our willingness to give to help others. I believe this applies, number one, to our everyday life. Every day, you and I come across people, and God has blessed us, and we need to make sure that we are returning the blessing. It doesn't mean that I give $10 or $15 or money to every, every person with a cardboard sign. That's not what Jesus is referring to here. No, he's simply saying this. If you have been blessed, let that blessing flow through you into the lives of other people. And there might be a time when uh, you, you buy someone else's coffee or someone else's meal, but you might give of your time to help that widow down the street mow her lawn. You might give of your time to help that neighbor across the street uh, when they're out, man, and they're lifting some groceries in or something. You might be the one to walk across and carry that over. You say, Pastor, I would never do something like that. Listen, God, God desires that you and I would be a second mile Christian, that we would give freely, giving of our time to invest in others. And then I want you to see, secondly, not only is it about giving each day with people. But I think, secondly, we can look at this in regards to giving to the Lord financially. And you say, pastor, we're at church. Pastors aren't supposed to talk about money. Because when you do, everybody goes, it's my wallet, it's my money. Can I tell you that God addresses how we should work with our money? And there's much in scripture about stewarding our money. There's much in scripture about saving our money. There's much in scripture about not being in debt. There's so much in scripture. And I'm thankful for the times that we have uh, um, financial classes. We've got one coming up in January. A friend of mine, Tim Rosen, who's a financial advisor, he's coming up and, and free of charge, he's gonna give workshops on how to manage money. But can I tell you, one of the things about Christians is we should freely give to the Lord. There's four areas of giving. There's the first one, which is, I think I have them on here, which is our tithe. Our tithe is that 10% that we make, that uh, you, you give 10% of what you make to the Lord, that that just meets the needs of the church. People say, Pastor, what does this go towards? The tithe goes towards paying the light bill. It goes towards paying the staff. It goes towards meeting the different needs of outreach or buying new chairs or whatever the case might be. It just kind of goes into the day in and day out needs. There's abundance giving. Abundance giving is you walk by the offering tray and you have you know, three bucks in your, in your pocket and you just take it out and put it in. You have it, you gave it. That's abundance giving. In the book of Luke, the, uh, the Pharisees, they were involved in abundant giving. They, they just had it, they gave it. There's tithe, there's abundance giving, there's sacrificial giving. 
Sacrificial giving, that's like our building fund that we give to. And uh, every March, coming up in March, we have our celebration offering is what our, chan- our family, church family, says we're gonna sacrifice and give toward the future of Moses Lake Baptist Church. That's sacrificial giving. That fourth one is faith giving. Faith giving is in regards to our missions conference this coming week. This is us taking that little blue card and saying, you know what, I'm gonna give $10 a week to help missions around the world. There's some families in our church that, uh, man, I, I, I don't know everybody that gives, but I know of a few that I, I think there's some, and some of our men could tell us more, that give $100, $150 a week, some to missions. Some say, well, I pastor, I could never give that much. I can give $5 a week. Listen, an above and beyond Christian says, I'm gonna freely give. It's his, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it. And you say, pastor, why do we do this? Why do we give to missions? One of the reasons we give to missions is because we care about the lost. We don't just give to missions because God needs our money. I'm gonna let you in on a really big secret. Maybe you haven't heard it before in a church, but God doesn't need our money. I mean, he's God. I would always talk to my dad about needing money and my dad would say, well, ask my father. I'd say, ask your father. He goes, yeah, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And I'd say, well, could you ask your dad to kill one of those and give me the money from it, you know, and sell it? Of course, he was, always, he was always talking, hey, the Lord has it. The Lord owns it. It's all his. God doesn't need our money. But you know what? When we give to missions, we get to partner with God to say, God, I care about the lost. I want to be a part of reaching people in South Korea or India or the 1040 window or Thailand or Papua New Guinea. I, I want to be a part of reaching the world for Christ. What does an above and beyond Christian do? We give freely. When I'm following Jesus from the heart, I will give freely. But notice lastly today and very quickly, when I'm following Jesus with our heart, I will love as Christ loves. I'm gonna love as Jesus loves. Notice verse 43 through 47, Jesus said, you have, heard, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate, hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. And if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Uh, do not even the publicans so. What is Jesus getting at in all of this? Jesus is simply saying, hey, you've heard it said, love those that love you. I say, love those who hate you. And he gave three ways to do it. How? Bless them that curse you. Bless them that curse you. What does this mean? This means speak well of those that don't speak well of you. This is hard. I know a lot of people who have spoken ill of me and it is hard to respond by not returning the speaking ill of. When someone badmouths me, you know what I want to do? I want to badmouth them. I want to get even. That's not showing love. Jesus says, if you're going to love like me, love like your father, you're going to bless when you've been cursed. You're going to do good to them that hate you. We all have those people who really don't like us, and it's okay because the feelings are sometimes mutual, but they shouldn't be. Here's what the Lord says when you see, when you find a person who you know they hate you, do good to them. When you see that person that you're thinking, you know, I really don't want to buy them a cup of coffee, the Lord says, do good to them. I often look for an opportunity to get even. 
God says, I want you to look for an opportunity to do good. And then he says, pray for them which despitefully use you. Not only am, am I to love by blessing those that curse me and doing good to those that hate me, but I'm also to pray for them. Some of you are like, well, that's easy. God, take them out. I prayed for them. That's not what God's referring to. It doesn't come naturally to pray that God would bless or work in the lives of those that mistreat me. But I want us to understand this today that the secret is if he has my heart, then I'm going to love even when it's hard. And when he has my heart, loving those that mistreat me, allowing for mistreatment without retaliation, being willing to give, being a second mile Christian, when he has my heart, all of these things become easier. You say, Pastor Dennis, why should I love like Jesus loves? Why should I love as he loves? And what, what is his love like? Here's his love described in Romans chapter five, verses eight through 10. But God, he commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You know what Jesus said, or what Paul wrote about in those verses? He simply said, hey, when you were yet sinners, you know what that means? In the midst of my sin, while I was still sinning, Jesus loved me enough to die for me. We were mistreating him in our sin. We were disobeying him. We were going against him, and yet he loved us. You see, today when he has my heart, he will help me go above and beyond. We have all been there doing the bare minimum, but can I encourage you today when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ, go above and beyond. Don't do the bare minimum. Give him your heart and he'll help you do this. And when we give him our heart, when we go above and beyond, this week when we do that, he'll help us not retaliate when we've been mistreated. He'll help us do more than we've asked, been asked or required by going that second mile. God will help us have a spirit of freely giving to him. And when he has our heart, God will help us love as he loves. I want to encourage you this morning that if you know Christ as your Savior, would you make the decision today to be above and beyond Christian? God, help me this week. Every one of us are going to be mistreated and face challenges this week. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a retaliating Christian. I want to be above and beyond Christian. I want to be a follower who goes the second mile. I want to give even when it's hard. I want to love even when I'm hated. And God says, I promise when you do that, you're building your life upon my word. You'll find stability, security, security, and peace. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.